0: The 4th of July weekend will be busy on the road, and ARUP wants to be ahead of the game. Hans and Scotty will be at ARUP in Sandy on Thursday, broadcasting live from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. ARUP is open from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m., and they'd love to see you there. Visit UtahBlood.org for all the details. We're going to talk with Josh Newman, University of Utah beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. He's going to join us here in a few minutes. The Utes. Recruiting never stops, PK. If anything has been made clear to us in this time, the games have stopped. The games have stopped for months now, and there's doubt about when they'll begin and what they will look like, but uh, football and basketball recruiting stories. So <laughs> recruiting, it never stops. You got to be, whenever the games come back, you better have the best players.
1: Oh Yeah, I think they understand that. It's a literally a 365-day-a-year job. I mean, it's just the way it is. And Majoris used to talk about it's like shaving, you know. If you don't do it every day you look crappy. And that was his his reference about it. Yeah. And I think all coaches understand that. And then Kyle Kyle especially understands that because anytime you ask him about the success of the program, he goes right to the players. And Morgan is basically a Kyle protege you know, played for him as a defensive coordinator and has now coached under him for a number of years and is a defensive coordinator himself. Hopefully he continues to be the defensive coordinator. And you ask Morgan about the success, and he goes right to the players too. And it is. Yeah. Coaches, you need to coach them up. You need to get them to your school and all that stuff. But ultimately the players have to be able to make the plays on whatever given field or uh, surface they're playing on. And that's just the way it is. And coaching matters. I'm not discounting coaches, but you've got to have the players. Absolutely have the players. And actually, I think that when you don't have the players, that's when coaching matters more. I'm Trying pretty to. sure I, I could have coached Jalen Johnson.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? That'll come as news to Shreve Shah, but I get your point. <laughs>
1: Because this guy was an NFL kid and he was groomed as an NFL kid, identified as an NFL player, and he's 16, 17 years old, right? And so, with that in mind, yeah, he's going to go on. And you know, I would suspect that he would have a at least a ten-year career. And you've got a ten-year career in the NFL. My gosh, that's the you, you hit the jackpot. Uh, so it's actually when you don't have the as good of players that's when coaching really matters. You know, you look at a Jerry Sloan, the forty-two and forty. What an unbelievable job that was, man. Come on. You want proof? I All I got to do is just say 40. If I say 42 and 40, that is proof. And building a program. And I was thinking about this last night. In our community, we have seen some tremendous program builders. You know, since I got here. You know, the people who have built programs since I got here, I didn't think you'd put Bronco Mendenhall on that list, Jay Hill, Gary Anderson.
0: Does Ron McBride count? He was he was hired before you got here. He was before,
1: yeah. So if I take Lavelle Edwards and go, obviously he built a tremendous program. That was way before I got there. Now Ron McBride wasn't way before. But if you just go from when I've been here, which was ninety three, I wouldn't necessarily but if you extend it just a few years back, then obviously Ron McBride's Ron McBride's building of a program is pretty good as anybody's that's been done in our community. Steve Cleveland. Did a great job building a program. That program was at the worst. It was literally the worst in its program history. And he built it in four years to an NCAA tournament team, as did Larry Christobiak. Same thing. Four years. He got it to where he got it. Those are tremendous coaching rebuilding jobs. We've been fortunate enough to see some tremendous rebuilding projects in our community here going up to all the extending to Logan. Stu Moral, great job that he did. Uh, and, and Coach uh, Smith, he's doing one. Program hadn't hit rock bottom. Now, it hadn't achieved the level of Stu Moral, but it hadn't hit rock bottom. But yet, he clearly, he's elevated the program. No one would deny that.
0: Yeah, some of the guys you mentioned are coming in and replacing somebody where, okay, so they had one coaching hire that didn't work. Um, or it just didn't work at the end. I mean, Steve Cleveland, the program had clearly bottomed out. And yet at the same time, you know, that decade they'd had multiple 20-win seasons, so and multiple NCAA tournaments in a row. So you knew it could be done. The Mac and Lavelle is different because Mac is building something that hadn't been good in 20 years. It had been when it had been good, it had been a different era. And Lavelle was building it someplace that had just never been good. I mean, one conference title in 40 years or 50 years, whatever it was, of, of school history. So, <clears throat> those two th- that's kind of different than someone coming in and reviving something that's been dormant for three to five years.
1: Uh, it's different, but I don't think it's any less easier.
0: Because it was so messed up when Bronco took it over, but you still knew it could
1: be done. By the second season, winning 11 games? I wouldn't have bet that. No, you're right. I wouldn't have bet it either. Bronco Mendenhall did a phenomenal job. It was a complete and total reversal. He just took the program. It was completely upside down. He took the program and completely made it right side up. Incredible job that Bronco Mendenhall did. I can't say enough about it.
0: Pro's different than college, huh? I'm, I'm pondering the, the rebuilding jobs. You know, Jerry Sloan, and of course as a pro, you know, the coach doesn't control the player personnel, so Kevin O'Connor too. Rebuilding something that had, you know, run its course.
1: Yes, I just think with Jerry Sloan, that was a phenomenal <laughs> coaching job as opposed to a rebuilding job going 42-40 and 40 that first year. With those guys, come on. That was awesome.
0: DJ PK, and we are joined now by Josh Newman, beat writer covering the University of Utah for the Salt Lake Tribune. Josh, good morning.
2: Good morning, boys. How are you?
0: We're doing well. I'm curious, anything in your, record, in your reporting background prepare you for the last three months?
2: Uh, <laughs> look, I've been around the block once or twice. Uh, I've been doing this long enough where nothing really uh, surprises me too much anymore. But I will say uh, the month of June, for various reasons that I'm sure we're about to get into, uh, it's been a little heavy. I'll say that.
1: Yeah, you got to enjoy Friday afternoons. Yeah, for, for Now, Friday afternoons just got to make you nervous as far as uh, what, what they're going to dump on us. I mean, a, a couple of stories there with the transfer and the Morgan Scally. obviously was a bombshell. Let's start with Scali. In my mind, you know, and DJ's too, take your time and come up with the right conclusion. So I'm expecting that it should extend for a few more weeks at least until the start of the season.
2: Yeah, no, this is something that uh, look, you have to handle it carefully uh, for any number of reasons. One, it's a a sensitive topic in general. It's an important topic. It's it's a sensitive topic. So from that standpoint, you don't rush anything. Uh, Number two, Scali is a He's a native son, right? He's a favorite son. Uh, he's been at the University of Utah as a player or as a coach uh, for almost 20 years. You know, played for Urban Meyer. Um, he's the, you know, he's the D coordinator now. He's the presumed successor to Kyle Whittingham. So, you, for a number of reasons, you, you just can't rush this thing. You need to do it properly, you need to do it prudently. And if that means it has to take a little longer than people would like, so be it.
0: So we've had uh, several ex-players on who've been uh, critical of Morgan, but they also uh, unanimously have not wanted to see him lose his job. Uh, you've talked to a lot of players, I am sure. Have you gotten the same feedback?
2: Yeah, I, I, don't think, I don't think people want to see him fired. I also don't think that people think that he did anything with intent or in a in a um, a malicious manner. Now, with that said, if you're Utah, I just don't feel like, you know, you don't just let this slide. You can't just come out whenever they, you know, finish their investigation. You, you can't just do nothing, okay? I, I don't think necessarily that he should be fired, but there needs to be some sort of reprimand, if for nothing else, just the optics of it, just with what we're dealing with now, in terms of uh, you know racial unrest in this country, you can't just do nothing. They should do something, but I, I don't think you're gonna see something that is you know super severe.
1: Yeah, I've spoken to some coaches on this issue and one coach told me this is the exact worst time for this to come out for the obvious reasons. Another African American coach told me that he viewed it as well is this a pattern? Or it was this a one-off, you know, and in his mind, that would make a difference. And if we focus on the word and we know the word that w- was used, I'm wondering if there would be more fallout beyond Morgan Scally. because to assume that Morgan Scally was the only one who ever said that word or used that word in a text or whatever is somewhat naive. And so if you go down the road of some type of sanction for him, where would it end?
2: Uh, Yeah, that's a tough question. I do think that is uh, part of the big elephant in the room, right? Uh, What kind of sanction? How far would you take it? Um, Look, he's again, he's the presumed head coach in waiting. Even if he wasn't, he is still viewed as a head coach someday. Um, Does this harm his, his future prospects as a head coach, whether it be at the University of Utah, or elsewhere. Uh, you know, that is a fair question. That is something I've wondered. That is something I've asked about. You know, if you're going to reprimand him in some fashion, where does it end? Um this is a this is a big test. This is gonna put Mark Harlan to the test, right? Uh Mark Harlan, Utah's A D, comes in two years ago, um, hasn't had to make a head coaching hire in either of his major sports yet, football, basketball. This is going to be a test of, of Harlan's leadership to ultimately see Uh, where this winds up, no matter how it
0: winds up. So I'm curious where you think the buck will stop because some people, you know, (laughs) the titles are the same everywhere, but the power structure isn't, the the power isn't dispersed the same way everywhere. So whether it's the head coach, Kyle Whittingham, or Mark Harlan, the AD, or Ruth Watkins, the president, who's going to have the biggest say in this decision?
2: Good question. Um, and again, I, I, I think we're going to find that out. I don't think in a general sense, I don't think we really know where that power fully lies. And I think part of this is, you know, big, big picture, longer term. I, I, I think we're going to find that out. Um, look, when all this went down a few weeks ago, Harlan did the right thing, right? It, it, the whole thing came to his attention. He, he called Ruth Watkins, university leadership got involved. And they all decided that there was going to be an outside in investigation. Um, and I, I do believe that whatever, whatever happens here, whether it be a reprimand, a termination, whatever winds up happening, I do think it's going to be a collective effort. And, you know, no, no one person in charge is going, to, uh, is going to ultimately make this decision. It's just too important. Okay. There's going to be a lot of voices offering their opinion and, um, and, and ultimately putting their foot down.
1: How about the player involved in this? He came to Utah, was there for four years. I looked on Facebook. The family's adorned in Utah gear and all that stuff. So uh, they, to an extent, and I can't speak for them, but at least it appears on the surface that they got past it. You think that could help?
2: I think that should factor into it maybe a little bit. But, again, we are living in a time now of of civil unrest uh, and racial unrest. And... Those things are those things are not easily uh, moved past. Even if look, Facebook is not real life. Okay, people wearing you know the family wearing Utah gear on, on social media is fine. Um, there there have been instances as we're finding out now across the country, places like the University of Iowa, um, you know, and, and and other schools where similar stories are coming out. You're on scholarship. You're playing football. You're trying to work your way to the NFL. You're probably willing to—I don't want to say probably—you may be willing to move past some things in your own best interest at the time, but I don't think that putting those things to the side or getting past those things or getting over those things are easy. And look with the with the killing of George Floyd and you know similar things that have gone on around the country, especially uh, especially recently. Um, now is the time to. To, uh, to voice your opinion and to voice your concerns. And that's what this player and that's what that family um, has done. And they believe that it was in their best interest at the time. They th- they think that they were wronged by Morgan Scally And they're right. They were wronged by Morgan Scally And uh, Morgan Scally's actions um, are going to have consequences. All of our actions have consequences. But we, us three, we are not making 820 Thousand dollars a year in a high profile position, so his actions are going to have consequences one way or the other.
1: So the basketball issue—I mean, that—that kind of caught us by surprise a little bit. That the kid wants to leave before being in the program. Uh, Man, how
2: big of a blow is that to Larry? Yeah, this has been—you know—it's been the sixty-four thousand dollars question. How big of a blow is it? And I've gone back and forth. On one hand. I, I, I find it hard to get too bent out of shape in general over a kid that never stepped on your campus, that never played a minute for you. On the other hand, the kid verbal to Larry Kustowiak, um in August of last year. So Utah, Larry and the staff, everybody was operating under the assumption for 10 months that the kid was coming to that end. They stopped recruiting for that spot under the assumption that Loner was coming. Kid calls Larry up, wants out of his letter. No matter what, you know, look, there's all kinds of hearsay, rumors, whatever. The bottom line is, in June, for a kid to ask out of his letter of intent, that's a tough blow because that's a, you know, that's a that's a rotation piece. Loner was going to play right away for the youths. Um, that that was two open scholarships in late June. That's. That's tough sledding, if you're a coaching staff to have a kid ask out. You're 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 stuck with two open spots in late June. You're, you know, it's late in the recruiting cycle. You're trying to fill the space, so it's been a it's been a tough month for Utah once that loner thing kind of popped off uh, June you know June fourth or fifth.
0: So the uh, the decision to uh, let him out of the scholarship did that surprise you at, uh, at all? I mean, there's a lot of scuttlebutt about how involved Mark Harlan got in that. What do you think? What do you know?
2: No, I mean, I did my reporting, and anybody's free to to read that. It went online. Yes, uh, it went online yesterday. Yeah, um, the whole thing with you know Mark Harlan had to override Larry, and Larry didn't want to let him out is false. Untrue. Um, there, was a, there was a short period of time where, you know, I think Larry had to maybe calm down and come to grips with it. But him and Mark Harlan had a conversation, and it was, you know, pretty easily agreed upon that they were going to let this kid out of his letter of intent. Uh, why did Utah let him out so easily? Because if you hold the kid hostage, if you hold him to his letter of intent, you look like the bully, you look like the antagonist. It looks poorly upon Utah. It looks poorly upon the athletic department. I understand the Utah BYU thing, uh, you know, the arch rival. The kid wants to, you know, you know, the kid's parents are LDS. He's inactive LDS. The kid, you know, the kid's dad went to BYU. I understand all that. It doesn't matter. The only course of action, the only reasonable, rational course of action, was to let the kid out of his letter of intent because if you don't. It's just a no-win situation because in the end, even if you hold the kid hostage, in the end, he doesn't want to play for you, period. So why hold on to him? There's just no point to that.
1: Yeah, I can't argue, Josh, on anything that you said there. I mean, I think that's the final analysis, and you – you walked us through that uh, conclusively. I, I can't. I just can't disagree with anything you say, even though I may not like it. It's the. It's just the truth, and it's the reality of the situation. And with that in mind, it seems like, at least to us, you know, I covered University of Utah basketball in the nineties under Majerus for the Tribune. And, my gosh, that place was rocking every night. And I'm sure you know about the history now that you've been here for a little while. And the fan base is just demanding a winner. And it seems like, to an extent anyway, DJ actually thinks it more than I do, that Larry is in under the gun in hot water, however you want to say it. Uh, how important is this next season then?
2: Yeah, no. Um, I've, I'm kind of – I think the majority of the fans that are really – in, you know involved and really paying attention I think that faction of the fan base does believe and maybe fairly so that he's under the gun and he needs to win games and he needs to get something done now um i don't necessarily disagree with that but to that point i will say that his buyout after this next season after the 2020 21 season it's still pretty prohibitive okay his his buyout is a is a big figure and i don't know if Harlan and the university and the donor base is in any position to buy him out even after next season. Um, does he need to win now? I mean, I don't know. It, it, it depends on what you deem as winning. Um, if they win, I don't know. I'm just hypothetically putting it out there. 18, 19 games, they get to the NIT. Then you know most of the core is back the following season as, as juniors and seniors. Would that appease people? 18 wins, getting to the NIT, looking good for the following season. You know, uh, it all depends on what you, uh, excuse me, on how you want to view it. Me, I think the buyout is pretty prohibitive. I, I, I'm not, I'm not convinced that with another poor season, um, I'm not convinced Utah would be in a position um, to get rid of them next season anyway. Uh,
0: I'm actually with you on that. I think that in normal times, um, that he has to win this year, but these are not normal times. And if you're looking at something in the $6 million range, you know, depending on how this football season goes, how revenue goes, do they fulfill the TV contract? uh, There's just no way to know, but we've heard all kinds of stories about budget cuts all across the country. Um, I mean, who's got more money than Michigan, right? Michigan's got to be one of the top 10 lucrative programs in the country and yet they've got all their coaches. You know, Harbaugh's taken a pay cut. It's football, it's basketball, it's the AD, it's all the high-profile people. So these are not normal times. I, I think in normal times, missing the tournament, and, and you can just open a media guide and go online, in an online media guide, and see this. In normal times, if you miss the tournament three years in a row at Utah, you're out. Oh,
2: this is a, look, and it's, it's not just Utah, okay? Coaching coaching at the Power Five level is a bottom-line business. And if you are not getting it done, if you are not going to the NCAA tournament at least semi-regularly, uh, you are out of a job. Um, and, at, look, at the time that Chris Hill, the former AD of Utah, uh, at the time when he gave Larry Kostowiak his current contract, the trajectory, and correct me if I'm wrong, the trajectory of Utah basketball yeah. was up, right? Yeah, it, you're uh, right. Yeah. 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 They'd been to back-to-back NCAA tournaments. They went to the Sweet 16, almost took out Duke in a regional semifinal. So the trajectory of the program was up. So that was a giant contract at the time. But you could justify it because of what they had done in the recent past, where you thought they were going. And, you know, now, they'd, now they've would now they fallen on hard times. You know, I understand they went to the NIT a few times. They went to the Garden for the NIT semis. Um, so, uh, I don't... I don't know what the answer is. I, I I do think the buyout is prohibitive. I've I've done some reporting on that too. The buyout is uh, at or approaching eight figures after next season. Oh, Big really? number. Um, and as as you guys said, um, we are not in normal times. Um, budget cuts, uh, not at Utah, but just in general. Budget cuts. Will a football season get played? Are you? Go- is is Harlan's athletic department going to be working at a deficit? Uh, I will say there has been no indication of any sport cuts or coaching salary cuts or anything like that at Utah, so that's good news. But yeah, these are not normal times, and um, oddly, kind of sadly, that probably works in Larry's favor that we are living in odd times, especially financially when when it comes to college athletics.
1: So under your scenario, I, have, I would have no problem of uh, retaining him if they 18, 19 games, and you said NIT, even if we have it, assuming we do, and they don't have a slew of transfers bringing him back. You're closer to the program than I am as far as the infusion of the talent. You would know more about it than I do. I know the talent that's there because I saw it on display this past season. But with the talent that's coming back combined with the new talent coming in, how realistic is it to get to that scenario?
2: You know, I've 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 spent I got two thirds of the season with the basketball team, right? I showed up here in early December, dove right in, so I feel like I'm in some position to to, you know, really know what's happening and really try to project. I've been bullish on this roster for a while. Okay. They don't have any, you know, really four or five star studs as a couple of other teams in the Pac twelve do, but I like their pieces. Okay. I think Ryland Jones plays very hard for Larry. I think Brandon Carlson has shown flashes of being a really, really good Pac-12 big man. Um, If Alfonso Plummer could play some more defense, I like that kid. We saw what he did in the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, Timmy Allen is expected to return. I like their pieces. Um, I do think that they are still a season away from doing anything significant. That said, you look around the Pac-12, you look at who's coming back, there are some NBA draft decisions around the league, that um, that we don't know yet. Okay, those kids that have until August third to make up their mind, All things being equal, looking around the league, I do believe that Utah could be in that four, five, six range. And if you're in that four, five, six range, even if you're closer to six, that means you're probably still, you know, looking at 17, 18ish wins. Um, the non-conference schedule is, you know, let's call it spade a spade. The non-conference schedule is mostly soft. A lot of bye games at home. Um, if they take care of home in the non-conference, they go out to battle for Atlantis o- o- over Thanksgiving. If that gets played in the middle of all this, if you can get two out of three in Atlantis, you take care of home. I think you're in position to go to the postseason. but you know, hopefully God willing, hopefully this, there is a basketball season.
0: So you think the, uh, the buyout is closer to the eight, $9 million range than it,
2: yeah, I don't have the story in front of me. I did this in like early February when people were starting to scream about about his job status. They were struggling on the road. The the buyout as far as I saw in the contract and talking to people, the buyout is is near I want to say it was 9.8 or 10.2. It's right around that eight figure range. It is a it is a big number for anybody, but it feels like an even bigger number given this athletic department.
0: That was a big that was with that was the number with three years left, or that's a number with two years left on the contract?
2: That that number is after after next season. Okay. After the twenty one season, okay. the buyout is still okay. in the nine or ten million dollar range. That's what I had it at.
0: Yeah. The thing he has going that he had going for him when he got the contract, in addition to what you say with the sweet sixteen and then the second round appearance, was the fact that he built it up from literally ground zero. Everybody had left the program, he inherited nothing. Previous coach, everybody went out the door, and he had nothing to do with that. So, so the fact that he took it all the way from ground zero to there and the fact that he had played and coached in the NBA and that it looked like there, you know, there were certainly rumors that there were going to be offers coming from the NBA, that's what drove the contract to the level it got to. In retrospect, it looks like way too much, but at the time it looked aggressive, but it didn't look as off the charts as it looks now.
2: Right, so. then look, right, hindsight's 2020. 20. Yep. You can look at that contract 4 or 5 years later and think it was look, under any conditions, as you just said, that contract was aggressive. That all was right. a lot of money that put him into the top 10 or 15 nationally among all coaches. That contract was aggressive, but you could have justified it at the time. Okay, for all the reasons that we said might look silly now, but at the time it looked aggressive and part of that was you 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 had a you had a program again whose trajectory was up, so you wanted to make every play you could to try to hold on to him, if another college program tried to poach him, if he went back to the NBA. Again, hindsight's 2020. Uh, I wasn't around in in 2015, but I you know I've done my homework and I've talked to enough people. At the time, you could easily have justified that contract.
0: Well, Josh, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on, and uh, I hope your Fridays going forward are, you know, not as difficult.
2: Oh, anytime, guys. You know what? It's early in the summer. I I do expect at least a couple more Fridays to be ruined, but let's hope not.
0: (laughs) Josh Newman, University of Utah beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. Join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
3: Basketball is back. The Zone Sports Network is keeping you up on all the latest news with the Utah Jazz in the NBA. This is a back-to-basketball update. Oh, he never looked at the net. Presented by Zions Bank. On 975-1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network.
0: Brooklyn Nets guard Spencer Dinwiddie and center DeAndre Jordan tested positive for COVID-19. They've announced that. Jordan said he will not play in Orlando while Dinwiddie has not opted out yet. NBA and NBA Players Association are planning to paint Black Lives Matter on the court inside both sidelines at all three arenas the league will use at the Walt Disney World Resort when it resumes the 2019-2020 season next month, according to reports. Season restarts one month from today. The Jazz and Pelicans will play the first game on July 30th, 30 Mountain Time. That's your back-to-basketball update presented by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
3: Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. This is terrible timing, but that's been 2024. So I think obviously we all know the right thing to do is to not play, to take a stand to, you know, morally. Yes, that makes sense, but life goes on. We're all young black guys and none of us want to give any money back. And I don't think that we should. And I think that money can be used in many different ways. And this is not, this is not going to end this summer, regardless.
0: That is the Toronto Raptors' Fred Van Vliet right there. DJ and PK, getting you up to speed on everything you missed in today's show. Brought to you by Larry H. Milner, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Ian Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. He's got mixed emotions, but ultimately, you go back to work. And it doesn't matter what you do. In his case, he's a basketball player, so he's going to go play basketball. But... Uh, Ultimately, that I think that drives a lot of us, PK. So I get the mixed emotions as he lays out, you know, the different things that are pulling on him. But ultimately, you do what you do.
1: Well, I think Joe Ingles is in the exact same stance as many players are now with Fred. It's some other issues. Joe, his issues, obviously I believe he's sympathetic to the cause that Fred's talking about. But Joe has his personal issues. And we've all got them, uh, and he Joe has decided he's going to play if Joe decided to opt out under the circumstances I don't know that I could criticize him, but he's going to he's made it known to us that he's going to go down there with uh, I don't necessarily think with a degree of reluctance because that implies when you're down there, you don't want to be down there. But I know when we've heard Joe speak, yeah, he has reluctance regarding his personal situation. But when it's time to hit the floor, he's all in in the moment for those 48 minutes, for sure.
0: Uh, We got some new news. This isn't recapping. This is just uh, coming out. BYU is going to do a virtual media day Under uh, in normal times. Uh, their media day would have been the last week or 10 days. But would have been the 24th. The 24th was was at the date they were targeting, so it would have been a little less than a week ago. Uh, But these are not normal times. So they're going to have a virtual media day coming up July 20th, and whenever they have their media day, Cougar fans know that they are then going to get a lot of content. And uh, I'm sure it'll be different virtually, but uh, I'm also sure... There'll be a lot of content, because that's the, the whole point of it. And it usually starts uh, you know at 9 a.m., but because we're on the air earlier, they're getting us guests in the 7 o'clock hour on media day. We usually have coaches come in, sit down, and they are, they are in the mood to talk at that point. It's not catching them in the season when they got a thousand things on their mind, and maybe they don't want to address some issue. We've talked to a wide range of coaches, and they are usually ready for whatever we throw at them.
1: Oh yeah, BYU's media day. My only complaint, I think that in uh, in June is too early. Uh, I like it later in July, right on the cusp, the precipice yeah, well, of a a new season.
0: That's what you get. And, July twenty will be ten in, days the day before the year. Jazz start, so we'll uh, be. I hope so. We'll be looking uh, for
1: news right about then. I hope so, but yeah. But the the positive is BYU has been awesome about giving us access to coaches. Former players, current players, we get when we get down there. They're ready to go early in the morning. They start feeding us guys at seven a.m. basically, and don't stop all the way till ten. Every every year we've been down there, that's the way it's been. So I look forward to that coming up uh, in three weeks or so. And then you also have the other news on the on the Nuggets thing. I guess you're going to get to
0: the Denver Nuggets closing their facility down. Multiple positive tests. So the facility, I guess, will get closed and get the uh, the thorough cleaning, the deep clean, and then reopen and try again.
1: Yeah, well, Adam Silver, I think he summed it up. What was it, last week maybe? Probably since today's Tuesday, uh, where he said, you know, there's never going to be a perfect situation here, certainly in the short term. Who knows about the long term? So – yeah, there's going to be adjustments as we go. I think we all understand that. Uh, I, I just don't want like like oh, the, it's time to panic. What's the, the the Will Ferrell panic time? Whatever that yeah. drop is. Uh, Everybody when, panic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go. Yeah, yeah. Was that old school? In that is that that was uh, from the was basketball old one that he did. Oh, okay. He Had the bear in the on the court and all right. Yeah, so I don't think that there needs to be the that Flint situation. Tropics. With the every, there's going to be much more of this stuff coming up in the coming weeks, I would think, and you know how you handle it is more the uh, proper response rather than oh my gosh, see we're we uh, this is screwed, this is the worst idea ever, blah 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 blah. I don't necessarily, I don't, I well, I, I certainly don't see that yet.
0: Yeah, I think that's the question as they restart the leagues. What is the tipping? What, what is the point at which point it's too much risk and there's too Because I think when there's, well, we just had the, the two uh, tests from the Nets, right? Spencer Dinwiddie and DeAndre Jordan test positive for COVID-19. Uh, DeAndre Jordan says he's not going to Orlando. So that's two guys. You isolate those guys, do the contact tracing who they've been exposed to, test, 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 you know, check their... Um, temperature and all that stuff, but everything keeps going. But is there a point where, and I don't know if it's 50 players or 100 players, uh, you know, what happens if one of the three gyms they used in has what happened at the Nuggets facility happens there? How do they reschedule it? But I would think it's going to take a lot to stop the NBA. I think it'll be adjust, adjust, tweak, tweak, adjust, adjust. Now, at some point, you know, especially deep in the tournament, when you're just down to four teams, and if one of those teams has a bunch of positive tests, maybe that could stop it. But I, I think it's going to take a lot. And I haven't lived through a pandemic, or as we discussed earlier this morning, a global pandemic. Uh, so I don't have much to go on here, but just gut instinct, they're going to adapt and keep going.
1: Yes, none of us have lived through a multi global pandemic.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Multi-nation, I like to add that onto it. That a kid, PK, good work. Thank you. But you think the same thing, right? They adapt yeah, and keep playing. It yeah. takes a lot to shut this down. And if it does get shut down, it's probably in when it's a smaller venture and there's less wiggle room.
1: Right, and I don't know if we'll get to that point. Hopefully, no, obviously, none of us want to get to that point. But let's not get caught up in little short-term hurdles.
0: All right, DJ PK, that's some of what we have been talking about today. It's all brought to you by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram in Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. Your feedback, next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ PK, it is time now for your feedback. And it's brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City. We can pick the new Audi Q5 SUV for only three fifty nine dollars per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. PK, you were talking uh, earlier in the show about how one decision, and man, when you're running a professional team, you're making hundreds of decisions, thousands of decisions. But one decision, when it comes to the draft, can shape a franchise, and the league permanently in ways that it's really hard to assess because there's no alternate reality to say, well, what does Michael Jordan's career look like? What does the NBA look like if he goes to a small West Coast market and plays late at night in Portland as opposed to going to Chicago in the heartland and the third biggest uh, media market in the country and then just launching a career that, man, people are going to be talking about 50 years from now. And, you know, the fact that Portland passed on Durant and Odin, took Odin and passed on Durant, the fact they took Sam Bowie, they passed on Durant, it's changed the arc of that franchise. And uh, Devin, who is our resident Blazer fan and Oregon Duck fan, and routinely listens to the show and tweets at us, says, it's great all the crap Portland gets for not taking Jordan, but do you really think he stays in Portland very good chance he leaves as soon as possible. Or demands a trade a few years after his rookie year. Go Blazers, all caps, three exclamation points. Well,
1: why is there a real good chance? Why?
0: Uh, because NBA stars don't stay in markets like Portland. How many NBA stars stay? stay how many Tim, NBA stars Tim Duncan, stay?
1: Karl Malone, John Stockton. <laughs> that's three off the top of okay. my head.
0: Okay, Jordan. Maybe you can compare Jordan to Duncan.
1: You can't compare Jordan to anybody. So would Portland
0: have contained him? If you want to compare him Jordan to
1: Jordan could go to Bozeman, Montana, and he would be the biggest thing ever during his time. He was Jordan. He didn't need. The, the stage came to him. He didn't need to go to the stage. Kareem left Milwaukee. Different era. He ran it off. It was cold. He'd had enough of it. He wanted to go where it was warm. Go back to L.A.
0: where he went to school.
1: Oh, there's a reason why the Lakers have been in half the finals. That's true. That's, that's never going to change. Well, Devin
0: is a fatalist about people staying and, and, in Portland then, the way jazz fans are fatalists. Not all, but a segment of jazz fans are fatalist about people staying here. Devin also came back. Uh, there was no chance Durant stays either. Portland oh, was a geez. train wreck well, at the time freaking, they
1: would have drafted him. Uh, well, then he could have changed it. I mean, the, the, the way the things are now, you're you're under the control of the team for eight, nine years. If you're a train wreck after eight, nine years, that's on you. That's not on the player. So, And if, and if, if that was the thing that only mattered, then freaking Knicks wouldn't have sucked for the last 50 years. Because <laughs> you're getting no bigger than New York, obviously, the greatest city in the world. And it's right next to the greatest state in the world. Jersey? Now you're talking.
0: (laughs) Jersey. The greatest state in the country. Mark tweets at us after our conversation with uh, Josh Newman, the beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune who covers the Utes. Mark tweets at us uh, and says, I think Larry Kristoviak is done. I don't care about the buyout. I think a lot of Utah fans are done with Kristoviak. The crowds are so small. Utah isn't going to win anything this year. Am I wrong?
1: Well, I don't know that they're going to win anything, but I don't know that the criteria for Larry to stay for twenty one twenty two is that they win so-called something this year. However... I will say that you keep talking about this buyout. Mm -hmm. Well, whatever that buyout number is, it will be less because people are staying away in droves. And if you brought in a new coach who won and recaptured enthusiasm, the money would be more in attendance that they're not getting now. So just listing that number of the buyout is misleading because if you keep larry and they don't win you're losing all sorts of money in attendance and that type of thing and not getting shares of the ncaa what do they call them units i think so you're losing that stuff too that you could get back so that number is not the true number necessarily
0: opportunity cost has to be figured in the accountants in the in the uh, car say pk you're talking opportunity cost
1: yeah i don't know what that number is but it's got to be something
0: it's got to be something and that number you know it, it would depend on do you win the press conference who do you hire how quickly do you start winning uh, you know, is this a coach who's really good with the media and the boosters, who creates that word of mouth right. around town? Uh, maybe You know, it's a new era. Maybe it's a coach who's excellent on social media
1: and creates momentum well, with that. You know, who knows? There's no question that Rick Pitino is going to generate enthusiasm.
0: <laughs> Rick Pitino ain't walking through that door. To use a Rick Pitino line <laughs> on Rick Pitino? How do you
1: know? <laughs> He's not walking. Okay, Richard Petino. <laughs>
0: oh, oh, his, his kid. All
1: right. <laughs> Yeah, they got Booth Gotch. We'll get Richard Pitino. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're out of time. Hans and Scotty are coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow from 6 to 10 right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.